I want to uh, talk about something that started last time I preached. I was like, when, did, when was the last time I preached? Two weeks ago, about preparing the way of the Lord. And it's basically because I feel like we're entering into a season of where the church really is preparing the way for the Lord and, and for the second coming of Christ. I have no idea when Jesus is coming back. I'm going to never give you any dates, any promises, because Jesus said, I don't even know when Father's going to tap me on the shoulder and say, it's time. So uh, we don't really get into that, but as things, uh, what's happening is Isaiah 60 is happening, where it says there's going to be a in vast increase of darkness and an also an increase of light. And so what is that saying is it just means things are being polarized, right? How many of y'all have recognized polarization in our world? Yeah, it, and so things are, being, things are being polarized in the church, in the nations. It's not just America. I mean, the nation, all of the nations are undergoing shaking right now. And the good news is we, we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And we have, there's no need to fear death. And so Hebrews talks about that you're held, we're held in bondage to slavery through the fear of death. And I pray that one of the prayers I've been praying lately is I've been praying, God, give me fear-killing encounters with you. Because that's what I need. I need a fear-killing encounter. And so whether he shows up as the good shepherd, or he shows up as Revelation 19 Jesus, riding on a white horse, on, a head, on his head are many crowns, out of his mouth comes a sword with which to strike the nations down. However he wants to kill the fear, I want it. But what's happening is Malachi 4 as well, where it says it's the spirit of Elijah will come and turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children, and the hearts of the children back to the fathers. And so God's world-conquering strategy through the church is the restoration of families. Isn't, I mean, only God would have that much confidence in himself to choose like the weakest thing to extend his kingdom in this world. I'm going to have healthy marriages. That's why marriage conferences are important. That's why there's a tax on marriages, a tax on sexuality. Why they're trying to educate children and have a six-year-old decide the gender. You don't know. You're right here from your left. You barely know when to go potty. So you're asking a child to decide that. I'm just, that's foolishness and it's the devil. I'm just, that's just what it is. And so when, when that's getting pushed, something's afoot, you know, it's the devil's at work and it's, and it's trying to destroy the family. All right. So part of the, the John the Baptist message is, hey, let's have healthy families. Let's invest in marriages. Let's invest in families. Let's invest in our children. 
That's part of the message. And some of y'all are going to be champions of the family and already are. And so it doesn't look like you're, you're necessarily calling down fire versus the prophets of Baal, even though that's a part of it. There is a role for that where you, where you stand and you're like, that's not the truth. I'm gonna, we're going to serve the Lord. It's, it's, it's the, the Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego confrontations, the Esther confrontations where they say basically, listen, if I die, I die. But I'm going to serve the Lord. And so John the Baptist is, he foreshadows the end time church because he, his goal and his purpose was to prepare the way for Jesus's first coming. And Jesus said, John was Elijah, meaning he carried that spirit of Elijah. John said, I'm not Elijah. And he was right. He's not, they, they, they thought Elijah would be resurrected and prophesy again before the Messiah came. So John's saying, I'm not resurrected Elijah. Jesus said, John's Elijah, meaning he's, he's preparing the way. He's, what Mal, he's Malachi 4. But, it's, but Malachi 4 is also talking about before the second coming of the Lord, all right? So, five ways. John the Baptist foreshadows the end time church is intercession and worship, the priestly ministry. This is actually one of the first things God had our church do when we first planted the church maybe a year or two after we, we started the awakening, was do one voice meetings, which was just 24 hours of worship and prayer as a, a sowing a seed into the restoration of the tabernacle of David in the earth, which is 24-7 worship and prayer that's going to rise up. It's in Acts and Amos, it says that tabernacle, that form of ministry, worship and prayer, is going to be restored before Jesus comes back. Secondly, holiness and righteousness. John was a man of no compromise whatsoever, full of the Holy Spirit and set apart. Holiness, the definition of holy, the reason we call God holy, holy, holy is because it's, he's totally other than. There's no one like him. That's what, when you're saying holy, it's just like, there is no one like you. No one like you. You are, you are righteous. All the things that you do are right and good and just for everybody. For everyone. That's how good a king he, the Lord is. Thirdly, sacrificial offerings. So radical generosity and giving and a giving lifestyle. For the spirit of repentance, which is the turning of hearts. And then five, a prophetic spirit. So these are all things that the end time church is going to be marked with. So I want, to, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 3. And uh, this was, this is John preaching in this. So it's good to look at what John has to say if this is, if we're going to carry a similar kind of message So I want to read just John chapter 3, 
verses 1 through 12. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by, by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. So they're basically saying, I mean, the, almost like take a, like the state of South Carolina was coming to go see Jesus. Maybe a little bit smaller than that, but pretty close. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? There, I'm just, what a greeting. And so, therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I. And I'm not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So one of the hallmarks of John's ministry is he preached repentance. And he didn't preach self-help. God doesn't want to um, make you better. He wants to kill you. That's why he said, he, he said, don't take up your self-help book and follow me. He said, take up your cross, the death instrument, and follow me. Now, that being said, I'm not saying like self-help books are wrong in and of themselves. I'm just saying there's only so much you can do through willpower. <laughs> and you can't be, you can't love your enemies. You can't do the things like the impossible things Jesus asked you to do apart from dying and his life being resurrected within you. Loving your enemies. Overcoming sin. Those things are the only the things that Jesus has the power to do. Breaking strongholds, breaking addictions. Only Jesus has the power to do that. You can modify your behavior, but you can't be free. There's a freedom that comes with Jesus. If you, if you were addicted to pornography and, and sexual perversion, and when you, you, drive, you drive by a strip club, Maybe through willpower, you can kind of drive by, but you feel the pull. It's just like somebody tugging on the back of your shirt, and maybe you can overcome that a little bit and for a little while. But freedom in Jesus is driving by the strip club, and there's absolutely no pull. And sometimes that's, there's, you get there instantly for, through a deliverance, and then sometimes it's a progress for you. But the, but the goal for, for Jesus is it says there is no hook in Jesus for which the devil could manipulate him. First John says that. So you want 
So that's the goal, right? You don't want anything, any hook to be in you. And that's why when I took guys to Burning Man, one of the prerequisites was like, hey, you, got, you need to be free from like porn and sexual perversion for a while. You need to have a track record because you're going into Naked-ville. And so, Siri, not talking to you. And so John the Baptist, Siri just went, uh-huh. She's, I'm getting an amen from Siri. That's good preaching. That's good preaching. I'm just... So, so one, of the, one of the things I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do is make pastors uncool again. And I'm not talking about you can't wear stylish clothes, and I'm not talking about any of that. But I know these are pretty fresh. I mean, it's but, but it's but when you're when I, when I'm doing the self help talks, and everything is about like. Jesus making your life better. He does that. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, the, but Jesus, his first call is, will you follow me? Will you go in Song of Songs, will you go into the valleys with me? Will you go on the mountaintops with me? Will you follow me? That's the message. It's not, he didn't come to the disciples. Now, Peter, Andrew, listen, I see you're fishermen. Pretty good job, but I can make your life better. Listen, we can have an intergalactic ministry together. If you follow me, we'll write some. Again, I love, I've learned so much from books. I've learned so much from ministries. It's not the rat, it's not those things. It's the heart of when I'm trying to, it's, there's, there's times for messages of comfort and there's times for spankings. I love what Bob Johnson said years ago when he came to Awakening. He said, God has given me the ministry of the spoon. I'm going to stir you up. I'm going to feed you and I'm going to spank you. Well, we want the ministry of the spoon. We want the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So whatever he's saying in season, that's what we want to say. That's, that's it. That's just, it's as simple as that. But you, when it's always, it, the gospel can get distorted to being about us. And even Jesus, he loved us. But and he, he went to the cross to obey his father. And so we go to the cross because we see the great love that God has for us and we want to obey him. So John, he preached repentance, which means you must die so that you can live. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand because, and that's, this is the cry of God's heart. If you will repent, heaven will be, will back you. Heaven will be at your right hand. That's how much God is for us. And when we really, 
take time with the scriptures, you, we realize how much God is for us. He's not trying to like, man, I just enjoy taking things from you. No, he's trying to give you heaven. But it doesn't look like our comfort and things like that. All right. So, John, another thing, this is another example. I had the font bigger, everybody, but pro presenter. Anyways, so John had the gift of tears, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And that to make ready the way of the Lord, to make his path straight, it's not going to be, you know, our, our preaching. And when I say preaching, I'm talking about not just me, I'm talking about you. When you, when you preach to your coworkers, when you, and I'm, and I'm talking about conversations on the phone, the word of God coming out of your mouth, it's not going to be with clever words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the power of God in clear proclamation of repentance from sin and faith in Christ alone. So you might come up to a university professor who doesn't believe in the Lord and, you're, and they're brilliant. Maybe they got patents and won a Nobel Peace Prize and you're, and you're going to say, Jesus loves you. The Father loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for your sins that you may have eternal life. The simple message of the gospel will turn their hearts. And so it's not with, man, I got, this guy's really smart, so I got to have a really smart gospel presentation. No, you just tell him the truth. That's the praise that says, I tell the truth and the Holy Spirit does the rest. And so you go, so going to hear John, it was also inconvenient and sometimes offensive. So John, all right, we talk about making pastors uncool again. John was like, I'm going to make it as hard as possible for you to come hear me. You got to come out in the desert and then I'm going to be dressed in camel's hair. You're going to see me eating locusts and honey. I'm going to be, I'm going to preach, repent from your sins. And people were like this, all of the whole South Carolina state was coming to go hear him because he was speaking the words of God. He was speaking what man needs to hear. It's the cry of every man's heart, every woman's heart. They want to hear the truth. They want to know about God. They want to know what God says. And when you stand on the truth, that's all you got to do. And you let the Holy Spirit loose on people when you speak the truth. And you do it in love. You do it with a gentle heart like Paul talks about. You don't do it, you know, knocking them over the head. But at the same time, I mean, I've had the sweetest old ladies tell me the truth unfettered in a kind way. I mean, they just like, mm, yeah, Travis, I think it, it sounds like you're throwing the fit. And I was like, I am throwing a fit. Because I, was, I went to a few years ago to this, this particular woman for some prayer ministry. And I, and I was telling her my issue, and she's like, hmm, yeah. Yeah. She's like, she's like, yeah, Holy Spirit, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I just feel like, yeah, you're th now you're the child throwing the tantrum. Okay, I get it now. And, she, and I was just like, spank, spank me with another one. And, but that's what I needed to hear. It sobered me up. 
Jessica, same thing. She kept stubbing her toe for years. Or a year, same toe. And she's like, ah, oh, stub my toe. And I just kind of was like, yeah, it hurts when you stub your toe. What do you want me to do about it? And, and, and if, so that probably happened six or seven times. And I was washing dishes one morning. And uh, you just have these times you remember the Holy Spirit was just like, and, and so I, I was at the washing dishes. She stubbed her toe again. And she's like, man. I stubbed my toe again. I kind of I looked. I was like, didn't say anything. And she's like, um, I just need you to know something. I'm not your brothers. It'd be nice if you acted like you cared. And I was just like, that's the truth. That's the truth. I, like, I don't care. Totally non-compassionate. And so I went on, I did, so I, I was like, Lord, what do I need to do? And he, he said, 21 days of tenderness. So we, I did this 21 days of tenderness thing where I, because I had, to, I had to build something in me because there wasn't a whole lot of tenderness in Travis at that point. So I was like, I need to build something with the Lord. And so... I would send Jessica a note, send her flowers, or take her out to dinner. So every day I tried to do something tender, shoulder rub, whatever. And so, how did we get there? It's good stuff, but uh, yeah, truth and love. But John, he also, I, I feel like God, so one of my dreams for our church is the glory of God to come so strong that nobody can stand in worship. Another dream is for us all to be wailing in godly sorrow. Everybody's like, why? Why do you want to do that? Because that's the place of the comfort of the Lord. That's when you, you really experience the goodness and the mercy and the comfort of God when you're like, oh God, we need you. That's the place of hunger and desperateness that, you, that we have to have. Fernando, I talked to him the other day. He says, it's different, you know, it's one thing to want God. It's another thing when you need him, when he's your only option. And we can all say, yeah, Lord, give us, we want more. But he's got to be the only option. We have to come and ask the Holy Spirit to, to bring our hearts to that place of like, I'm, you're the only thing I need. The Elijah spirit that was upon John will be upon the church, and it's marked by confession of sins and baptisms. So I feel like there's going to be women confessing their sins to other women and maybe other men. There's going to be men confessing their sins to one another. And, there's, and God's going to wipe away shame. And, there's going to, and I feel like people are going to come to the Lord and there's going to be, we're going to be looking around for a place to baptize people. There's going to be a... Conf and I, I think God's just restoring that one principle. Because when you look in John... 
I mean, excuse me, James chapter 5. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone you among, among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Then this is, we're talking about Elijah. Verse 17 in James 5, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. The Lord is going to use us just like he did Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us, with a nature like us. And there's going to be people, you know, the, the, the next move of God, there's going to be a lot of people who don't get their names in the paper, but they're doing the works of Elijah. They're restoring the hearts of the fathers to the children. They're restoring families. They're prophesying. They're standing boldly for the truth of the gospel. They're sharing the gospel. So they were being baptized in the River Jordan. There's going to be prophetic confrontation and intolerance of religious help, hypocrisy and self-righteousness. This will manifest in the church, not, not, not in the church band, but uh, the church and politics. <laughs> sorry, Wade and Julie, I'm sorry. So one of the things that we're seeing uh, getting exposed is hypocrisy and self-righteousness in the church in the political realm, in government, in every area of society. That's part of why, you know, there's frustration in politics is, is because of the hypocrisy and the self-righteousness. And it's because politics has become religion on, for some people on both sides of the aisle. You don't want to put any of, anybody in Jesus' place, ever. And so what John did in, in verses 7 through 9, it says, When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers. Meaning, he's saying, You're a bunch of liars. You're liars. Because the serpent is the one that deceived Adam and Eve. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Don't give us lip service. Don't give us lip service. Back it up. Your repentance by changed life. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. One time we went to, uh, Jessica and I, we went around this neighborhood to pray for people. And we'd knock on the doors and say, hey, is there anything we can pray for you? And give them a bag of cookies that said, taste and see that the Lord is good. And uh, 
we came across this one house and the, an older gentleman answered the door and we're like, hey, we're um, from this church and we're just coming around praying for people. Is there, is there anything we can pray for you for? And he's like, no, 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 we're good. And I was like, do you, do you attend a church? Are you, do you know the Lord? And he's like, yeah, that church you're talking about, I was a charter member. And I said, where do you, I haven't seen you there. He said, uh, we, well, we stopped going there a long time ago. I said, y'all go somewhere else now? He's like, no, nah, but we're charter, we were charter members there. And we're like, okay, but he didn't, didn't want us to pray for him, and that was kind of the end of the conversation. And my point is, is he's kind of looking at, hey, man, I did this real good thing a long time ago. And he's bringing it before the Lord like he's got something to offer. Well, you ain't got nothing to offer. All your righteousness is filthy rags. All my righteousness is filthy rags. And so the Pharisees were doing this. They're like, we have Abraham as our father. Jesus is like, before Abraham was, I am. And so we can't rely on those things, those re- any kind of religious crutches. So strongholds, will be cut at the root as people receive their DNA and inheritance as co-heirs with Christ. Even now, the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I think the se- we're coming into a season of the church where deliverance from demons is going to be restored. Where we're going to be casting out demons again. I believe there's going to be homeless people that we, can, that we, that we come in contact with who have been in bondage to demonic manipulation and oppression. What was the garrison? Was he homeless? Yeah. What about the, the son that threw himself into fires? Was he homeless? Probably so. And when I, when I minister to homeless people, and, I, and, and the last few people I've given money to and talked to and shared the gospel with, they're high. And they're, and they're mentally ill. And they're, they're telling me everything. They're just nodding their head to everything I want to say. And I'm just, I'm like, God, let me rip the devil out of that man. Help me rip the devil out of that man so he can hear. And so we need to ask for that power, for that deliverance power. And it's not just you got your homeless people and you got your rich people who are demonically oppressed and you got your middle class. It, the devil doesn't care. The baptism of the Holy Spirit with power will be restored and seen as essential for the believer. John said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There's going to be people baptized in the Holy Spirit during water baptism. They're going to be, and, and, and it's, there's going to be a, a greater manifestation of, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit like it was in Acts when people, there's going to be more people overcome with tongues. There's going to be more people uh, falling out. I'm just telling you these things because you need to get ready. You need to, we need to have some idea of what it may look like so you don't get offended. And I don't get offended.
Who knows? I, I don't even know. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you what it may look like, but I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like. But our hearts need to be tender to the Lord. You see something that makes you uncomfortable, you're like, Lord Jesus, pastor me. We, had, we did that when we got introduced to some charismatic services. Like, and I tell you, one of the things that offended me was uh, the worship leader had his kid on stage with him one time. I was like, get that child off the stage. <laughs> this is serious business. Worshiping the Lord. And then one time we're at a, a service and they played an intimate slow song with just keys. And I was just like, this is not God. He's not gender and gentle. He's a warrior. And the Lord's like, We've got some work to do, Travis. There will be great cleansing and separation from the ways of the world as the wind of the Holy Spirit separates the wheat from the chaff, the flesh from the spirit. John said his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So what has this year in review been? At the end of the day, no matter what you think it came from or whatever, but 2020, year in review, the fire's been turned up. <laughs> God uses all things for the good of those who love him and who are going to be conformed into his image. That's what verse 29 of Romans 8 says. Now, there's people that are not letting God use this for their good. Did you know bad things can happen in your life and they cannot be used for your good? Because there's been a lot of bad, some, some challenges has happened to the whole world, right? But you got some people going in a worse direction. So the key is, do you love the Lord? For those who love the Lord, he works all things for their good. And those who have been called according to his purpose, he works all things for the good. For those who want to be conformed to his image, he works all things for the good. That has to be the posture of your heart for God to work things for your good. And it's a good reminder and so surrender is always the key. But this is what part of what God's been doing. He's been separating wheat from chaff. During, in, in harvest times, that's what happens. And we're coming into a harvest stage. And, and so I believe uh, there's going to be a lot of people coming to the Lord in the upcoming years. But there's, there's also going to be people falling away. It's the, it's, the, it's the light and the dark. It's the polarization that, that's happened. Now, what's going to unify the church? Because God promises the unity of the church, right, before Jesus comes. He promises a spotless bride that's unified. It says in Ephesians that the unity of the church comes through the bond of peace in the Holy Spirit. So the church that is following the leading of the Holy Spirit, that is 
believing the full counsel of God in the Word of God, not just our favorite comforting verses. We got to read Revelation, we got to read Joel, we got to read Daniel, we got to read all those books so we can understand the full counsel of God. And the judgments of God are simply to remove everything that hinders love. If I'm a father and I saw somebody uh, mugging my children, I'm coming. Saying so our Heavenly Father is the same way. He's coming. And he, his children have been getting, been getting mugged by the devil for too long. So I want us just to, uh, if Julia, if you can come back up here. I want us to spend time just praying for, for fire, praying for the gift of tears, because it is godly sorrow. It's a gift. There was an, one of the strongest encounters I ever had with the Lord was when I got the gift of tears for some lost friends when Jessica and I were going through Northwest Woods, knocking on doors. That time I was telling you about when we, this was 20 years ago, it was before we were married. And I was in a park, we, we would park our car and pray before we would start knocking on the doors. And we, we parked the car and I started praying for my friends in college. I started praying for my friends in college that didn't know the Lord. And I just I started wailing in the car. And just crying out for their for their souls. And when a, a, a hand came on my back. It was an invisible hand and it pushed me underneath the steering wheel into a fetal position. Now I can't fit underneath my steering wheel. I don't know how I fit, but I did. But angels can make you fit. And I tried to push against the hand, but it was too strong to even, I couldn't even push back on. And I was under the steering wheel. I had no idea what was going on. Jessica didn't know what was going on. She's just saying, Jesus, Jesus. And I'm telling her, I have no idea what's going on. I can't get up. That hand lifts. I sit back in the, the chair. I look at her and say, I, don't, I have no idea what that's all about. And as soon as I said that, waves of electricity started going through my body. And, and I was shaking so violently, the car was shaking back and forth. And we were coming these waves back and forth, back and forth. That lasted for another 10 minutes. No idea what was going on. I, I, was just, I was just a Baptist, good old Baptist boy at that time. Did not ask for that. But how did it come? It came through the gift of tears. It came through the gift of tears. And I felt like it opened up my heart to receive that encounter from the Lord. 
So I want us to worship and I just, I want us to pray for the fire and for the gift of tears upon the church again. To be like John the Baptist crying, those who cry out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord.